Cry It Out with me, DJ Susie. Dear team members, for 30 years I've been a pizza guy, but now we do more than bring pizza to the door. We bring a sense of normalcy. Yes, we are the pizza guys, and we're proud to serve. The greatest album of love songs ever recorded. You'll want to share them with someone special. Why do birds suddenly appear? Sung by the man who turned Every a personal affliction into a recording career. Don No Soul Simmons. Just like me, they long to be close to you. So curl up by the fireside and listen to the non-threatening music of this master showman. Testies, testies, one, two, three. Testies, testies, one, two, three. Troisième son. Quatrième son, c'est la même chose. Cinquième qui est le dernier. And now, tous les sons. Plus vite, plus vite. Your internet radio dial is in the perfect position, and Race to the Bottom is on the air. Time to sit back and enjoy some refreshing Winslow Tea. Try it hot, lukewarm, or over ice. Have it with milk and sugar, or a lemon wedge, or oh natural. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Now that's Winslow Tea. A New York City tradition since 1872. Ask for it by name at the tea house or your local greengrocer. Because that's how you know it's Winslow.
Awake, dear heart. Awake. Thou hast slept well. Awake. From the Winslow Tea Broadcast booth in warm Bushwick, Brooklyn, I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this is Race to the Bottom. You know, they say every... <laughs> what if I could pull that off? You know, they say every story starts with one of two beginnings. This is serious. I'm not a joke. Come on, folks. Every story starts with one of two beginnings, okay? Either somebody goes on a journey, or a stranger comes to town. But this here isn't Gilgamesh. It's more like Chilgamesh. More like Race to the Bottom. In the background... As usual, we're hearing from Bremer McCoy, who have not written me back. Come on, guys. What's going on? What's going on, Bremer and McCoy? Mike is... Hold on one second. Mike is temperamental. Yeah, so I I wrote these guys Bremer and McCoy. I'm going to try to get them on the show. They can take their time. Like their music. Their music is, is uh, they take their time. So take your time, guys, in writing me back. I'm here every Saturday, 10 to 11, Eastern Standard Time. But I do have a guest today. Oh, man, do I have a guest. And hopefully this works. I'm a little bit on spilkas because... I'm trying to do a Zoom with our guest, comedian John Field, who's going to help me continue mayoral May as we talk about the Democratic mayoral primary, which is basically for all intensive purposes. That's what I thought it was when I, when I was a kid, intensive purposes. For all intents and purposes, the Democratic primary is basically going to be the who's going to decide who who's the new uh, mayor in town. And John Field is a is a super funny comedian, and he's great on Twitter as America's Comic. What? How? I got to ask him. How do you get that? That's a good handle. He also did. Um, the Andrew Yang Policy Bot, which is a, a hilarious account. Algorithmically derived Ang- Andrew Yang policies for his 2021 campaign for mayor at Andrew Yangatron. So ho- hopefully, if all goes, here's what's, I'm just going to put it out on the table because I want to be honest with my listeners. I'm going to try to do the Zoom. I'm not sure that the Zoom is going to broadcast sufficiently over the air. 
So if that's the case, if there's Zoom problems, and we've all had Zoom troubles this past year, if there's so it's it'll be re- relatable radio. Race to the bottom, relatable radio, right? If we have problems, I got a I got a great song that I heard yesterday, and I said I got to play that on Race to the Bottom. Uh, so I'll do that, and then we'll he'll call in. It's not a problem. Oh wonder, I know what you're saying. Oh wonder. How many goodly creatures are there here? That's what this music makes you feel like. How beauteous mankind is. Oh, brave new world that has such people in it. We're going to talk about some of the people in it. Eight of the people. These mayoral candidates. And you're wondering, why why am I quoting from The Tempest? It was two years ago. It was two years ago today that I'd just seen The Tempest play. Saw it at Juilliard. It was amazing. This Juilliard production of The Tempest. And I talked about it on the show. And you know what I do? Sometimes I look back. I see what did I do last year on the show this time? What did I do two years on the show this time? I throw some of that stuff in for continuity. And uh, as long as we're talking continuity, what, what about that mashup? That mashup I did a year ago today, but it holds up, I think. Who'd we hear from? We heard from the pizza guy. That was a great ad from last year. I think that might have been a Pizza Hut ad. I'm the pizza guy. I've been working for 30 years. That's sad. As somebody who worked seven years at a pizza cabin... That saddens me, but it was it was basically like, I know you're afraid of COVID, we'll bring you pizza. Essential worker. We're, we're going to talk about workers today, so that's that works. And then we heard Citizens on Patrol. Listener Tim says he's re-watching the Police Academy movies with his son. And uh, they hold up. I don't know, know if they ever held up before, but... Citizens on Patrol, I think that's Police Academy 2. And maybe uh, if Eric Adams gets gets the uh, mayoral nod, the nom and then the nod, we'll, we'll all be Citizens on Patrol. We heard from No Soul Simmons. That living color sketch. Is it a skit or a sketch? We heard from, and then that that segued into the good part of the song "Handyman" by James Taylor. The great part. That'd be a good race to the bottom theme. I want to do some music themed stuff next month because we're so politics and mayor focused this month. Oh, five weeks of this. Next month, we got some music stuff. I want to do a show about songs that have really awesome parts, and but a lot of the song sucks. And Handyman is like that. That hook. Come on, come on, come on, come That is so good. 
and the rest of the song is not great. It's misogynistic, James. We heard from uh, Beavis and Butthead. And we heard from uh, Close Encounters of the, of the Third Kind, the, inter- the magic intervals to start our show. And what is this in the background? This is um, the lock-in and the song, Locked In. And it leads me to a segment of the show that I like to call Recommended. It's a recommendation. 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 We just finished watching Normal People. It's on Hulu. I think I should do Hulu ads. Because I'm good at going Hulu. That would be good for their branding, right? John Reed, host of Race to the Bottom, wants you to watch Hulu. But Normal People, it's an adaptation of a, a book called Normal People. So they kept the title. It's by Sally Rooney, Irish writer. And it's good. It's a lot of nudity and sex in it. If you're if the, if that's something that's you're either you're into or you're not into, um, take that into account. But it's good good character development, character change. Your characters must change. What's that from? Adaptation. Brian Cox, as McKee says that. But there's a lot of good music in Normal People as well. And I liked this. This this song. I'm always trying to find synth music that, that I like. When I like it, when it's a good vibe, I can just jam to this. But it's so easy for synth stuff to to get uh, corny. But this, check this out. This is nice. Like uh, going a drive. Like you're getting in a car, going to like fight somebody. <laughs> no, just just going to drive around. Check this out. Imagine windows down.
people say the best place in Western North Carolina get a muffler, a transmission, a timing belt, or a suspension replaced at Johnny's. Why? Because at Johnny's Automotive, they do the job right and check it. That's Johnny's way. Come down to Johnny's on the corner of Crisco Road and Popular Creek and get your vehicle fixed right the first time. All right, it's the moment of truth here. Hold on, will they turn this crap down? I don't like that synth song anymore. Here, let's let's see. Can we can we hear from John? Yes. Can you hear me? Oh my God, it works. That's perfect. How's it going? It's going pretty well. Am I live right now? I think you are live. Yeah. Oh, hello. Uh, thank goodness I turned off the uh, uh, embarrassing Disney parade music I was playing <laughs> before, while waiting. Oh, yeah. You're getting psyched up? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that music is, it's, um, I don't like using this word, but it's like uh, cringy in a way that makes you feel like a um, uh, million dollars. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, I was just playing some, some synth music on the show, which I was talking about how uh, I, I love a good, synth vibe but it's, it's yeah but it can get get kind of uh corny real quickly so I'm, I'm always in the market for for good synth um and i was watching normal people on hulu yeah um and they had some good synth stuff so i found this band the lock-in and was hmm. we were playing that in the background I uh, I feel like synth is kind of weird because it's like very nostalgia driven. But then you listen to like what synth sounded like back in the 1980s that they're trying to emulate, and it's like uh, it's weird because it sounds nothing like <laughs> what it, like the soundtrack to Miami Vice, which mm-hmm. I love, sounds nothing like the uh, like outrun genre of like or like uh, the soundtrack to um, oh what's that movie Drive Drive like both are awesome yeah yeah. One of the yeah. many movies uh, where um, that guy is is a expert at at a motor vehicle. Yeah. Then there was the other one where he's a good motorbike guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's that? Uh, I'm blanking on that actor's name. Oh, uh, I always know him as the guy with the weird cocked eye because I have to knock him down. The the oh my gosh, it's not oh. it's not uh, it's not. Hall. No, no, but it's like uh my research right team. Here, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Man, my, yeah. I know my research team was texting yeah. me. Ryan Gosling. Oh, she my research she was like uh 1 minute late on that. 1 second late. Oh, wow. Um okay. So yes. I uh they, we're we're doing the political checkup here. We're doing May Oral May here on the show and I'm so glad yes. that you could uh be a part of this. Um you were Recommended to me by Seth Simons, um, the yes. journalist and, and writer and funny person, um, because I'm doing May Oral May, all all May. That's five Saturdays, it turned out. Um, yeah. And we're uh, we're trying to figure this whole thing out because I feel like this, this race isn't getting the attention that it deserves. Also, because it's basically going to be... The whole thing's going to be over in the middle of June, and then we're going to have our next mayor, unless Curtis yeah. Sliwa uh, 
<laughs> gets the uh, the nod. You know that guy Curtis uh, Sliwa? Oh yeah, yeah. The um the uh the 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 oh they always wear the berets. Yeah. Like, and uh, the the subway defenders, the, mm-hmm. just the cosplaying weird dorks. Every time I see one of those guys in the subway, Guardian Angels. Yeah. Like, I always just like I I'm always like uh I'm always like in my head I'm like good for you you found like a thing to make yourself I mean I think there's a lot of stuff that's problematic about yeah the guardian angels but just on like a one-on-one basis like it's just like oh you found your little hobby you know what i mean yeah um yeah i remember that dude and those guys from like uh like sally jesse Raphael and stuff back yeah way back in the day but he's still stomping around now he's he's moved on to like hannity yeah um good good dude really good guy (laughs) um yeah, but no, the the uh, we've got eight candidates and we've been breaking them down. Um, mm-hmm. And you uh, are, in addition to being a funny person, are a pretty plugged in person to what's going on politically. And I was saying that you developed the uh, Andrew Yang policy bot, which is uh, kind of went viral. And then you're yeah. kind of, and then you're kind of like. Uh, wait, am I giving this dude free uh, publicity? Um, so, can you talk a little bit about your thinking about doing that parody account and and how yeah. how you're coming towards the race? Yeah, I think like that was. Um, I don't want to say. I mean, early use the phrase early in the race, and that could be like back in 2019 because this race has been going on for so long. But after Andrew Yang first started entering into the race, he started throwing out a bunch of policies uh which like um i want to kind of put a little qualify things that like andrew yang does have some good policies but he also does have some weird and really bad what i feel is really bad Mm -hmm. policies and i think just by the nature he feels like a guy who just throws out a lot of ideas and some of it's good and some of it's bad and i think it just had like a really specific tone to it and i think it was um if i look back it was like um kind of neoliberally liberal e kind of focused on private public partnerships and a lot of it's like really based on youth culture and um i always try to avoid um there is a lot of his stuff that's like really techy like his interest in like crypto Mm -hmm. stuff but i think um really what it started off was like me making fun of him on my own Twitter page of like uh, making fun of his TikTok houses proposals. And then I just, um, I ended up making an account that like the fiction of it was a robot that creates Andrew Yang's policy for him. And um, a little bit of it is a parody of him, but also a little bit of it is just like, it's like a good hook for like a one liner, like um, the Jane Jacob, if you know, New York city politics, like the Jane Jacobs super Memorial highway through, (laughs) Uh, uh, Soho is just that's not really making fun of Yang that's just like um, like a fun New York City in joke um, after a while I noticed that Andrew Yang supporters really liked my account which I don't think I wasn't I wasn't trying to be a grand like parodyist or whatever but that made me a little self-conscious and then I noticed that Andrew Yang would get a lot of traction on Twitter for negative attention and on social media I feel like a lot of uh, attention is value neutral. So if you say a really nice thing or say something really positive, 
to the world, uh, it can get a lot of attention. Or if you say something negative, it gets a lot of attention. And at the time in the race, Andrew Yang had, he's still ahead, but um, I think he was really coasting on name recognition. And so a lot of the people ratioing him on Twitter or whatever, and myself with this parody account, I think was kind of helping normalize mm-hmm. um, and normalize the him being the front runner and him being the only voice that was discussed in the election. And I have disagreements with Yang and I don't um, at the same time, I don't consider him an antagonist, but at the same time, this is a very competitive election. I think when it comes to ideas and there's a lot of people inside this election who have ideas worth exploring and for everything to become just about Andrew Yang or dot, 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 five points behind uh, Eric Adams would be not really a a benefit of what is our first ranked choice election. Mm -hmm. And also the election in New York City, this is the most amount of open seats ever in New York City history. We have 2000 people running for, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm bad at math, but it's like 100 plus positions and I think about 60 open seats like this is you talked about it before like people aren't really enthusiastic about this election or I think I'm worried it's gonna be really low turnout when this is a chance to like all those things you complain about we complain about with the city and complain about with politicians uh we're not gonna bring New York into a glorious new utopia and we're gonna fall short of our goals but I think there's way more leverage on the table than anyone could ever imagine uh, that was ever before. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to try to thread a few different things through, and that's why I got you on the show for, uh, I had you come so early. So I had, and because there's a, a few threads that we're going to weave here. There's, yes. there's, uh, there's the Yang thing. There's the, uh, there's your the article that that Seth Simons pointed me to in in your ideas about having a more uh, worker performer centered uh, economy when it comes to rebuilding from COVID our, our cultural institutions. Yes, um, and then there's also the debate that just happened, which I'm sure which I saw that you were were watching and, and tweeting yeah. funny stuff about. Um, so hopefully we can blend all these things together. Um, as far as uh, I guess a good segue with with Yang and some of his ideas and policies that he throws out that actually have more of kind of a neoliberal uh, tint to them. If you look closer um, during the debate, people were able to ask different questions of other candidates, and mm. Yang took his uh, shot to. Ask Yang was very non-confrontational. I guess as the front yeah. runner, he was trying to stay above the fray. So he <laughs> he got um, he asked Diane Morales, uh, "Hey, what do you think of UBI? It's pretty cool, right?" Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I thought that she really missed an opportunity there uh, because my big issue with I think UBI is a is a pretty great idea, but a lot of the reporting that I've read about Yang's um, you know, the, the actuality of his UBI thing and the way that he pitches it to a lot of, of skeptical people is that it would basically be a replacement for the social safety net, right? So you'd yeah. get whatever $2,000, but then you'd start cutting away at, at essential programs, you know, that, that people depend on and, and that are part of our social safety net. 
And I don't think I, she brought that up, which I I wish she would have. I wish people I think, would talk about that more. I think like what I see in the board game happening is, um, first of all, like uh, I think all the questions except for Maya Wiley's question to Eric Adams. No, uh, Morales's question to Eric. Well, both of them actually had questions to Eric Adams that were kind of hostile. Um, both of those were out of respect for the fact that we're ranked choice voting. So if you go a little bit too negative or if you're too much of a can, what type of words can I say on here? Can I say bad words? Or? Um, I try to keep it uh, like PG 13 on, on here. Okay. I got kids, kids if you're a bit listen. of a jerk. Um, yeah. uh, it can really backfire on you because like, let's say I support apples and I could rank bananas as number two, but then bananas comes in and says that apples is the biggest jerk in the world. And you're like, <laughs> wait, I'm a voter. I made my own decisions. Like, why can't I vote for both of you people? And then that kind of hurts you. Yeah. I think what Yang saw in uh, Morales is that she has like a really strong growing coalition um, uh, to uh, for transparency purposes. I really support Morales as a candidate. Um, I think. uh, And then behind that, you put an asterisk of like uh, she's been growing a lot and pretty aggressively. I don't know if that's enough to like, overtake the two front runners of yang or mm-hmm. eric adams but also i don't think that matters i think a lot of times when it comes to elections you can uh win by losing like this past uh in the state politics uh this past year every single thing on cynthia nixon's platform who ran for uh governor back in 2018 it got passed in spite of the fact that she lost the election mm-hmm. um i think that's like a, i think supporting morales uh, in a lot of ways is helping build a lot of um, electoral infrastructure that will kind of help New York City in the near future. I think Yang saw in Morales, uh, she grew by a lot. I think her she was sitting pretty at like 3% of the vote and jumped to like 13% of the vote in like one um uh, in one poll and actually is now, I think in the number three position, at least that's what one, there was another poll after that where I think things kind of shifted back and normalized, but at least she jumped up a lot and overtook the other third place progressive, which was Stringer. So I think, uh, Yang and especially the people behind him, Tusk strategies, recognizing him in her, um, a lot of votes that they want to, uh, kind of piggyback off of like they would love to have like Morales is number one and Yang is number two. So I think both of them have a public bank platform and have, um, uh, what do you call it? You not UBI, but the other one, the, uh, basic income yeah. as, um, on their platform. So I think Yang's strategy was to say like, Hey, I have basic income on my platform. Morales, don't you have that as yeah, well? So yeah. Yeah. That way, to signal to people who might like her that Yang might be sympathetic. And honestly, like, um, uh, that's one thing I think that if Yang does become mayor, like he's got a couple of key policies that like, I wouldn't be mad that Mm -hmm. I saw executed, including a city bank. Like that's like a really important thing that we already have the ball rolling on that, but like, uh, that would be great. And, um, uh, I think there are, I think Morales would have been in a spot if she criticized his basic income stuff. She was basically insulting her own personal policy. And um, there are a couple of hurdles to 
getting basic income. You talked about how the fact that you have to cut um, public services in New York, you kind of need like if I started giving you $5,000 a month, you can't apply for as far as I understand it, you can't start applying. Also, that number I just picked out of my backside. But uh, if you started giving um, uh, the basic income, then with that basic income, I can't apply for food stamps anymore. I can't apply for Medicaid because I make too much money because there's no federal law that excludes that Mm -hmm. type of uh, incoming money from uh, being uh, uh, from not being a part of social services. Um, I think uh, I do agree with the criticisms of Yang's basic income platform. I think that also maybe I could see, even though like I'm a little suspicious of Yang and I do believe that um, uh, some of the criticisms that people put out, which is like libertarianism and sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, I think that he's talking this big talk of basic income, even though the legislative tools aren't there yet. And what it'll just come down to is him using soft power of the mayor's office. And he's a mayor of a if he was mayor, he'd be a mayor of a city that had more than 8 million people in it, which is bigger than, you know, half the states out there. So like if he yelled at, uh, uh, if he like just used soft power to get things passed on the federal side, like it'd probably be a lot easier than what people think, or at least not outside of the imagination that like a program like this as a pilot program could get executed. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, yeah, you you bring up a good point that that it would uh, kind of de facto ex- exclude people from social services, but just yeah. that the reporting that I've read that that's kind of his pitch to certain people is troubling, right? Um, yeah, when, when he's saying, "Oh, well, you you think it's crazy that I want to you know give people two thousand dollars, but really secretly we're going to get people off welfare," you know? So yeah, and and it and then it becomes kind of a, a regressive uh thing because you know everybody's getting two thousand dollars and the pe- and and then the the poorest folks are getting that two thousand dollars but also getting knocked off of of uh you know s- yeah. certain services um so let's uh as long as we're talking about the debate let's just kind of do a um lightning round of of the different candidates and and how they came off um yeah so another person that um, kind of cozied up uh, in her question to Morales was Garcia. She was like, "Hey, you're you're really into LGBTQ rights. What should we do about that?" Which was yeah. exactly what you're saying. Uh, Garcia just got endorsed by the New York Times and is kind of this centrist thing. Uh, pro, you know, hitting that centrist competent lane if there is one. And yeah, with her like. She's got a smoker's voice. You notice that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she um but she uh she knows where the lights are are in City Hall, she likes to say, yeah. because she's the one person who hasn't distanced herself from de Blasio. But she is trying to kind of prove her bona fides with <laughs> with progressive uh folks, right? Mm-hmm. Um we got a phone call, John. Oh really? Yeah. Uh let's let's see who this is. Um Race to the bottom. Yeah, hi. I'd like to speak to the host of the show. 
yes. Hi, this is the host I of the show. I just want the host of the show to know that this show is Stinko Poo Poo. Wow. <laughs> um, and I... I'm the host. That I'm interrupting the show, and I hope that I'm screwing up the host's rhythm with the show. Well, you know, it's... Because I, that's what the host did to me. What's that? During my show. I, I don't understand what what this is. Uh, who? <laughs> that's what the host did to me during my show. Well, I'm the host. You can stop like talking about me in the third person. Who is this? My name is John Henry, and I'm a comedian, <laughs> and I was interrupted in one of my first nights out. I don't know if you've ever done stand-up comedy. Actually, I know you haven't, because it's not funny what you do. And during one of my first nights out, uh -huh. you yelled. Do you remember what you said? Uh, you're going to have to give me more. I'm not usually a heckler, so... Uh, <laughs> what? Where was, was this? Was that, who's that with you? Who's laughing? <laughs> well, we're all Johns, actually. Um, I'm John Reed, host of Race to the Bottom. We have comedian John Field here, and you're John Henry. Right. So, wow, the John Henry. Do you remember what you said? Cut through a mountain in half hour time. <laughs> you get that, John Henry? Has anybody ever remarked on your name? Listen, I'm not here to be mocked. I'm here to. to to remind you what happened. What did I say? When I don't even know when this was or where this was. What did I say? You said... You said that I think your moleskin's defective because the jokes that you're writing in it suck. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. And everyone laughed, and I was just getting going. And so once you made everybody laugh, now I'm the asshole. Now I can't go back to that club because I'm that guy that, that that some random dude just decided to shit on, and it was like funny because well, well, we try to keep it PG thirteen here, uh, Mr. Hent Patrick Henry. It's an awkward moment, so yay for you okay. and your ability to make people laugh because you had the wherewithal to, you know, put the spotlight on on somebody trying to do stand-up comedy. Look, that's for, my point. That's first the only of all, point I'm trying to make is that you're, you cheated and you're, and you're cheating now well, by doing, by doing comedy on radio. You don't know how to do it <laughs> on the stage. First of and all, we, can I give a little bit more context to what you're, to the, the incident that you're bringing up? Would you allow that? I yeah, don't want to heckle sure. you here. I'd love to. I'd love to hear how you spin this one. Well, first of all, I I didn't mean to. Uh, it wasn't like I was yelling that out to the stage. I said that to the people at my table that this guy needs to send his moleskin back to the factory because everything he writes in it sucks. I guess my voice carried. <laughs> I guess I guess my voice carried because it. I do remember people laughed, and I'm I'm sorry, but. You were up there. I guess you would, from what you're the comedy you were doing, you're kind of doing this Louie thing where you were like bad mouthing your kids. Uh, you're, you had a 
a daughter that you you know you were saying really disrespectful things about your ex-wife you know it was basically like a bad uh it wasn't there wasn't even funny it was dark and it was uh pretty misogynistic and and i was just kind of trying to take some tension out of the room <laughs> wow John Field, are you yes. still there? Yes, I'm still here. Was that a guy who's mad at you for doing something on stage, or he he was a? Uh, this was back in Asheville, North Carolina. This had to be about ten years ago. Wow, I don't don't know how that guy found me. Um, that is so weird. Uh, yeah, he was he was saying like horrible things about the women in his life. And uh, right. no one was laughing. And I mean, I guess, you know, I'm not a big fan of heckling, but that was, uh, you know, I felt I feel like there's like two type of heckles, like one that's like done in bad faith. And then one is just like your entire premise of your comedy right now is flawed and it's uncomfortable and uh maybe you should address it like right on the spot you know what i mean like it's just like uh not everything i mean i don't think stand-up's a dialogue but Mm -hmm. the weirdo saying something on a mic and then whatever the audience's response is is uh kind of a dialogue you know yeah i don't know i uh yeah stand-up's so it's weird i think kind of uh, all of us have had like a year break from stand up, give or take, or at least from like what stand up was is com- incredibly different from what it is now. Yeah. And I think having that distance is just like so much stand up was not even based around jokes, it was just around like saying mean stuff on stage yes. or just like having unlimited mic time to, um, uh, just say the most weird, selfish, contrived, selfish stuff on stage. And it's just like, um, I'm kind of ready to move on beyond that and just kind of try to, I don't know, make stand up comedy into something just that's just works. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think that this, this was like 2011, you know, every it was like everybody loved Louie, you know? Yeah. And it was just like this. And Louie's like, I hate my kids, you know? Yeah. And so <laughs> this guy was doing that same thing, uh, you know, and, and even looking back at some of Louie's stuff, it uh, definitely <laughs> is lands in a different way. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so this guy was doing like a bad version of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I, I mean, as I feel bad that this has stuck with him all these years, but I also have to say that um, telling him <laughs> his moleskin is defective was not the worst heckle that uh, any anyone has ever said. I, I, uh, I had a tweet go viral and an ex-girlfriend DM'd me about like, I guess what happened was an ex-girlfriend who we didn't follow each other, but the fact that it went viral meant that, like, unfortunately for her, my ugly face was thrown back into her, mm-hmm. her face or whatever. And she DM'd me about, like, the last 
argument we had before we broke up and I'm like, why that, which was seven years ago. And I'm like, why are you people <laughs> holding on to this so long? Uh, yeah. it's just, I do it. I mean, I'm a petty person and I have ripes and things that happen to me that I get annoyed about, but I'm not proud of it. And I certainly will never give my antagonist the power or satisfaction of knowing they got in my head for so yeah. long, you know? I think uh, hopefully if I had held on to something that that long, I would call like contact the person to apologize. Yeah. You know, like I definitely have some apologies that I, I still feel like I need to make, you know, that are coming down the pike to people. I maybe I should have apologized to John Henry. Uh, yeah. But yeah. He, he he hung up before I, I, I could. I mean, I guess I don't know. What are you going to do? Yeah. Well, that was weird. <laughs> that was really weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, you know, it, here's a segue. You know, when uh, when people were going after Eric Adams, he said when people uh, he said, uh, he said, I said it before when when things start to get close, people are going to get desperate and it's going to get ugly. Yeah. Uh, right. So maybe that's our re-entree into the debate. Yeah. I feel like Eric Adams has like a, um, like a, um, I guess John Henry kind of broke the seal on our PG 13. Uh, yeah. Eric Adams has a asshole energy that I, I don't know how it's going to play. Like it, it definitely was on full display in the, in the zoom, uh, debate. I, I, I think what we don't see with Eric Adams is, uh, I don't like him as a candidate. Um, uh, but also like, I think I usually don't like talking in terms of bubbles or like blind blinders on, because I think that's a lot of times used as a bad faith argument or like a conversation stopper. Like after Trump got elected, people were like, oh, everyone's in a liberal bubble. And then, no, it turns out there's just a lot of voter suppression and our electoral system is completely broken from the top uh, down. Mm -hmm. uh, but with Eric Adams, what we don't see is. This guy's been in politics for a very long time uh, and he's got his legs. Um, he's got his uh, roots like really deeply down in the community. So what we don't see is him as borough president, which is 100 percent a soft power job. Like there's like three official things that uh, borough president does. And one of it is give away free 60,000, excuse me, uh, 60 million dollars worth of discretionary funds um uh he's been like i i don't respond well to his personality but i've had you know kind of going out there and canvassing with different uh city council people who i'm liking um uh, crystal hudson vote for her if you live in district 35 um like talking to people like he is does as i understand it have one of those personalities where he kind of is good at fitting inside the room that he's in and can kind of play well with a lot of uh, quote unquote legacy New Yorkers who aren't, you know, transplants like uh, at least myself. And uh, I think he just as much as Andrew Yang um, have the possibility to win this election. And um, I think especially after 2020, I think Biden winning both the primaries and the election has been kind of a surprise to me. Cause like, I'm like, 
going into 2020, I'm like, who would ever vote for Biden? He's so lame or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's so cringy or whatever. And people sometimes like the really safe choice. And also some, just because I'm cool hipster guy doesn't mean that um, people don't not respond to stuttering, soft voice, empathetic guy. And I think same with Eric Adams. Like, uh, I think uh, the two attacks on Eric Adams that night, the one was from Morales, which was, I think, her trying to affect the ecology of the campaign. Like, I think she's trying to win. But also, as she mentioned, with um, the fact that she doesn't have a second ranked Mm -hmm person she wants she wants people to kind of reach up to her level and to she's trying to set this tone of the election and that was kind of a excuse the pun uh policing thing on her what diane morales asked was um uh she said that eric adams said which was correct that um the defund movement was mostly white gentrifiers which is not true and it came from uh, you know, like black activists who've yeah. been ingrained in our community and not only our community, but lots of other communities throughout, uh, you know, like it's a decades long yeah. project that just kind of have a over and like, let's not pretend that white people didn't kind of jump into it, but that's just, I think, I mean, Out white people own, go up every, yeah. yeah. Or they're, they're going up in something stuff. political. Yeah. That's not But bad. then Adams, Adams totally, uh, lie. <laughs> he was like, Oh he no. Juked. Was- yeah. He and people like what I saw online was that he like people were like, no, this is exactly what he said. But I think that at least played the role. I think at least Morales kind of forced him to squirm a little bit and forced him to correct his position. And like his answer was, um, oh, I'm against the um, divest uh, or something like it's, the dissolve the police yeah. movement or something. Yeah, like that. dissolve. dissolve. So he it's just a made his- up. Yeah, he took his complaint to be um, a more um, uh, abstract, non-existent complaint, which really doles his criticisms of the defund movement, which I think um, what I understand about, like, um, uh, sometimes asking a candidate or, you know, like one of the powers of the press pool is not just asking a mayor a question, but it can be to kind of push them to be in a certain position. So that's good. But then... Um, Wiley asked a similar question. Oh, it was, um, she tried to call him out on his stop and frisk policy, which I've read commentary online that, uh, was her trying to jump on him was a little disingenuous and that for all of Adam's problems, uh, he was against stop and frisk for, um, a while or at least before it was, uh, fashionable to be against it. Um, I don't know. Remember where I was going to, that was going to be leading to a conclusion, but I forgot what that conclusion was. Well, um, let me say yeah. a couple things about that. Those two. And maybe, uh, you'll get your thing back because, yeah. so I've heard Eric Adams say on Brian Lair that white people have co-opted the, the defund the police yeah. movement. I've heard it out of his mouth. So he, it's not, uh, he, it was just a complete fabrication that he was saying, oh, I was talking about the yeah. divest or what the disband movement, by which I guess he meant the abolish the police movement. Um, uh, yeah. And and then with I think even even if there was a, a little bit of, um, you know, factual 
gray area with with Wiley's complaint. I think the the big point is that I when I first I had heard about Adams, I had heard him on Fresh Air last year during the height of the George Floyd protests, and he was painting himself as somebody who who really wanted to change policing from the inside. He you know he's he yeah. likes to talk about his hundred blacks policemen who care thing, but I don't really see uh you. I feel like a lot of that stuff was way in the past. Um, and I mm-hmm. don't really see what change he's actually uh, achieved from changing things from the inside. And now I feel like he's really cynically, uh, you know, hyping up this, this, you know, city awash in crime narrative uh, for his, his own uh, electoral benefit, right? And just kind of fear-mongering. Uh, I think yeah. he was so excited that there was a shooting in Times Square. He was like, oh, my God, this is like my perfect moment. Uh, and I think it's really gross. I think something to be realistic about is that it does resonate with voters and not just like um, like I am a huge advocate for going out there and canvassing for candidates. And I think um, that. I don't know. I got I got this thing I call in my head uh, the socialist cop in my head that like, yells at me for doing anything that's like not burning down uh, the capitalist system mm-hmm. in a weekend or whatever. Um, but when you're out there canvassing, you talk to people and you figure out their concerns. And for me, it's like I don't. I mean, I live in a super safe neighborhood. Uh, well, I mean, I live mostly in a safe neighborhood. I got. Uh, I live near. Um, a drug center, but like, that's not violent. That's mm-hmm. not even crime, but like, it's not like, it's just, I hear an argument every other week. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. just it. But, um, you know, I would go door knocking and even talking to like people of color, like that's a concern they have. And like the city council candidate I'm door knocking for, uh, they're self-described as a police abolitionist, but also like they, uh, I think, uh, are savvy enough to understand that not everyone's on Twitter. Not everyone has a proportional view on what crime is in the city. And also violent crime is it's going up, not by a significant amount. Like it's still historically on a lot of lows, but that doesn't mean that it's not being covered on spectrum. Like um, I'm house sitting for a friend right now and they have cable. I turn on the TV and like every time I turn on the TV, it goes straight to spectrum and there's a lot of crime news. And that translates to when I go door knocking, like I'll talk to even like a woman of color who will be just like, um, oh, she wants to do all this stuff to the pl- this candidate I'm canvassing for wants to do all this stuff for the police. Well, you know, like the Bronx is burning right now. So it's like a thing that's in people's mm-hmm. imaginations. Yeah. And um, I think maybe the pause I think is just like uh, Adams is cynical and he is taking advantage of a moment and he is taking advantage of what I think is kind of holistically like a blowback to what was happening last year with George Floyd um, of um, uh, kind of people reactionarily like holding on, like the police were under attack. So um, the system as is kind of circled its wagons and um, is trying to like uh, make us worried about crime. Um, I want to add at this point that 
Um, the mayor is a very important position and city council is does not have as much power under as the mayor does itself, even collectively. But I think what we're going to see, whoever I think if I'm like reading the ground correctly, whoever gets elected mayor is going to have to reckon with the fact that they'll have a way more progressive uh, city council uh, to have to negotiate when it comes mm-hmm. to stuff like budgets where the city council does have power and uh, housing and a couple of other smaller things. Um and they're going to have to negotiate with that person. And it's not going to be like last year where we had de Blasio and a city council that was mostly agreeable with him. And yeah. uh, so I think even if like I am a little worried about the election, I have people I don't want to win. I have a lot of people I wouldn't be mad if one like I don't Catherine Garcia. Like mm-hmm. I don't agree with her on the police, but she's. I like that kind of technocratic stuff. And yeah. so like, she's on my ranked choice. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, yeah. I have like people I'm happy to vote for, even though like I would uh, chop off an arm to see Diane Morales as mayor. And she's the person I'm canvassing for. So like, I'm like really out there trucking it for it. Um, but I think uh, we're a little bit more awake as a city. And I, and I think COVID mm-hmm. and George Floyd, uh, made that possible and um because of that i think people are paying attention to more things now and i think it's more easy i think it's i think it's easier to yell at the city and it's easy for the uh city council people to like yell at the mayors and i think that could be a positive change and if we look at albany right now Mm -hmm. uh like we're going through a huge slate of progressive changes uh, which, by the way, like sidebar, Albany has arguably more power over New York than the mayor yeah, does. Yeah. Um, they're going through a huge slate of progressive changes. And that's like a fight that took really 10, 12 years to get to. And even in this fight of the fact that like somebody who's more moderate, uh, you know, there's a little bit of stink in that word of Cuomo mm-hmm. being in charge or conservative, if you want to put it that way. Um you know, the fact that we have a supermajority, um, uh, fairly progressive legislator in both, uh, houses is kind it's, of, yeah, it's, it's, it's positive. I'm sorry to cut you off. We got 15 yes. seconds. We didn't even get into so much. I hope to, uh, oh, maybe yeah. have you back, uh, again on the show. This is great. And we can talk maybe again before the, before the, uh, before June. Thank you so 